right, and welcome to Two Discount Grocers and a Microphone. I'm Mike. I am Dylan, and I do have my phone and watch on mute, just so you know. <laughs> excellent, excellent. You know, we may make a lot of mistakes, but we learn reasonably quickly. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, Dylan, uh, operator meeting, how was that for you? Uh, it was it was fun. Uh I think my favorite part, just like probably most people, is just seeing everyone. I mean, I, I felt like I talked nonstop for days. Uh, my wife always tells me that anyway. Um, it was just good to see everyone and connect. Um, yeah, I, I, I always enjoy the meeting. The only downfall that we had is that we uh, brought our kids and brought our mother-in-law so she could kind of help take care of them. And it was definitely a lot going back and forth. And so next year, uh, we will definitely not do that. We will learn from a page out of your book and uh, go from there. But it, it was good. Uh, it was fun. Um, the only thing that we didn't really enjoy as much were a lot of the breakouts. And you know, we talked about this. Uh, it was just a little too chaotic. I mean, there were so many good things to listen to for the breakouts and go, but it was just very kind of unorganized and everyone was going uh, every which way and you couldn't really get to the boost in a normal timely fashion. And so that part of it kind of was uh, a part that I would just like to see either a little more structured or instead of having maybe 15, 20 different things, have it more five things where you listen to for a good half an hour and then you go to the next uh, section instead of just all over the board. And I heard that from a bunch of people. So, yeah, I, I, cause I was one of those, but I was one of the, cause I had to have uh, a, a screen in my laptop to show what I was doing. So I had like an actual screen behind me and I was standing there explaining, you know, our uh, explaining our, our sales projection sheet and so on and so forth. Whereas, you know, I think it was just me and Grass Valley was in the room. We're the only two operators that were kind of explaining the thing because there wasn't really an opportunity for anybody else to. So you just walk into a room full of poster board and yeah. it's kind of like, okay, now what? But yeah, I think if they had, if they had like five, yep, you know, five people and the operator is there to have that conversation because you're right. I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest thing from the meeting, there's nothing that happens at that meeting that can't be communicated in a zoom or an email or whatever. Right. It's the connection, right? It's, it's seeing people, it's, you know, being able to talk a little bit about grocery outlet and then a little about, about just what's going on or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so when you have those breakout rooms, when you don't have the operator there with, you know, kind of perpetuating that connection, it falls off, I think quite a bit. Yeah. Right. I also think if they were to do the party on the last night and not have a meeting that next day, not saying that anyone gets out of control by any means, but I think having uh, all your meetings and then leading up to whatever the main party is, I think that structure would work better for a lot of operators because, I mean, that's one thing I noticed is the next day, I mean, I felt like half the room was was missing. And I remember last time we did this meeting, it was the same same thing. So I almost think if they structured that differently, that would be more beneficial for attendance-wise. Uh, and the other thing that Tanya and I were talking about, and it sounds crazy for me to even think about this, but I almost rather, if we're already going to meet there, I almost rather have two full days of meetings and i want to use the word meetings very lightly um but just you know two full days of conference the idea of a half day when we've done everything to get there i almost rather have it because i do feel like grocery did a good job of having an agenda that was kind of fun uh, and and informational it didn't feel like a here's a beat down meeting or or here's something you don't really want to sit in but might as well spend two full days and get us all in there to talk about so many things that the company is doing direction wise and um to just kind of clarify where we're going as a company versus the half day that a lot of people look at a half day as well i maybe won't go but that was kind you know, of our, our opinion you're missing one critical factor with that though and that's that grocery out would have to pay for another night for everybody if well, that was the case i'm for that just saying oh, okay <laughs> oh, okay yeah you're like so so what's your point that changes nothing right. for me <laughs> right uh, but no it really was good to see everybody and i think uh, by the way, did you know that there was like, like 40% of the people at that meeting had never been to a meeting before? 
yeah, a little little nutty right there. Yeah, uh, which makes know, sense, six, but yeah, yeah, we're we're six years in to this company, and it's weird to think that we are kind of now more on the senior side, uh, in a sense, compared to so many just new operators. And you know, we talked about this on our last call. You know, we came in at a time when there was a lot of people leaving, and even right now, there's a lot of people who you know they're they've done their stint and and they're moving on or retiring. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of change versus what it was, uh, and that mm -hmm. is probably the biggest thing I heard um, operators talk about. How it is insane how large this meeting has gotten, and how they don't know the majority of the people anymore. It is uh, oh. it's a room full of people you don't know. It's I mean I I know more people now than I've ever known just number wise, but as a percentage, when you look around the room. Yeah, I know far less. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a it's an odd thing uh, for sure, but I'm glad the operator meeting's back. I'm I am actually good with it being in Texas next year. Uh, I'm I didn't I did the Vegas thing. That was fun. I'm ready to do something different. Yep. Uh, and it kind of sucks that it's you know basically a year and a half out now. But I'm also glad that we're moving out of uh, winter you know, sickness season, you know, snore, st snore, snow disruption season, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I give, give two thumbs up for Texas in September for Listen sure. Here city boy, uh, your winter may only last three months, but we're in a place where we get at least five months of winter. So, yeah. but not in September, you don't we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. No, I think Texas will be good. It will be good. We looked up that hotel afterwards, uh, and it looks like a lot of fun and just so many more things to. Do. I want to say more things, um, but other things to do other than the Vegas. I mean, we do Vegas quite a bit anyway, and did before our kids. And so, yeah, being in a place that we haven't been, I think will be fun. So, yeah, but no kids this time. No kids this right? time. None done. I don't know yeah. what we're doing with them. Uh, uh, but if anyone wants to watch two kids, life. yeah, for for a week, uh, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, it'll be good. Uh, so, uh, all right. So um, this week we had uh, Billy Muzio on. Um, I had a good, good little conversation with him. Kind of talked about uh, about Winco, uh, Winco, and pricing, and oddly enough, markups and how that fits in, fits into the situation. Um, but I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that uh, as a as a first guest, first conversation. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, again, the three of us are very similar in a lot of ways, and we have all Oregon stores, and so there's a lot of uh, similarities uh, throughout it. But he has kind of a, a different, uh, not just insight, but he's gone through some stuff, not just COVID, but with uh, basically two uh, competitors, one being, you know, our own, um, and then the Winco and then the road closure thing. I mean, I've talked to him so many times about how much that has uh, impacted sales, and so uh, it'll be good for other people that kind of hear his uh, story on how many things have also impacted him because we all have stores that have so many things that hold us back or or different dynamics uh, that prevent you from excelling in certain areas or that you know hurt your sales or margin or whatever. So I, I think having him on, talk about that will be good. And then I think uh, we'll talk a little bit about our next call afterwards once we decide who's going to be on. Or yeah, do you already have absolutely. an idea? Oh, I do. We'll we'll save it after. We'll save it for after the call. You know, make this sounds good. Podcast sound professional, profesh, like they do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into it. Hello, and now we have Billy. So he's going to do a quick introduction and talk about a bunch of things. So welcome, Billy. Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Billy Musio. I am the operator of the Bend, Oregon Grocery Outlet. Uh, prior to Bend, uh, we used to own the Wairika Grocery Outlet. We opened that store ground up. We started our training as AOTs in, in 2012. And back then, we used to train a lot longer than the current training is. Uh, you, you wasn't untypical to be in the program for about a year back then. And so uh, we trained for about a year, opened up Wairika. Uh, we're there for a couple of years and then, you know, we're blessed with the selection opportunity of Bend. And so here we are now, it's 2023 and, and we're loving our forever store. 
Gotcha. And has uh, how, is Bend pretty different than Wairika? Oh yeah, yeah. There was more cows than people in Wairika. Uh, Bend, okay. Bend is a is a nice blend between you know I call it uh, it's 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 a big small town. It's mm-hmm. not it's not quite a city. It's not you know Portland or the Bay Area, which is where uh, my wife and I used to live. And so it's 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 a nice blend and beautiful area. It's 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 got a, kind of the best of both worlds. We have the um, the luxury of of the outdoors and being able to to really you know grow a family in an area that is um promotes outdoor living and and camping and hiking and fishing and golfing and name name it and it's here in bend where where was a little bit more remote um there was more like i said cows and people there was only you know a couple of restaurants in town there was it was primarily uh you know, a couple, couple gas stations and a couple stores and that was about it. And so, uh, it was a nice adjustment getting back into a big, small town and, um, and being able to, uh, kind of adjust back to our, our normal lifestyle. Yeah. I kind of, so, when I talk about McMinnville, sometimes I call it, it's a Goldilocks town. It's, it's not, it's not too big. It's not too small, you know, and it's very similar in that regard. But a little and for other operators, he did say it was his uh, <laughs> final store. So if anyone's waiting for Billy to move or or retire, uh, don't hold your breath. So <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a few more years left to Kevin. I'm still I'm still a young man. Sure, sure. So uh, so you took bend over from uh, Randy uh, Al- is it Randy Alano, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, because he had that for forever, and you got in there and did made quite a few changes and we're able to grow that store quite a bit. Is that correct? Yeah. When we first took it over, uh, a store was averaging about uh, 189,000 a week. Uh, we grew it to at one point, our highest weekly average, uh, was 286,000 a week. Uh, and then COVID hit and then all comps and regular numbers went out the window. <laughs> um, we hit, I think 400 one week. Uh, during COVID, uh, it was it was a, a madhouse from what we were used to, um, and then we had uh, the unfortunate circumstance of a Winco opening uh, directly after COVID ended, or I should say, started phasing out, never fully ended, um, and then we started battling COVID comps, and then and then we had road closures, um, and when I say road closures, it was a, an entire year of road closures, um, and it, so it was there was there was definitely some challenges mixed in there from. 2021 ish to, to 2023. So we're starting to now climb out of those challenges and, and regain some momentum. So with, with Winco coming in, that's the, uh, you know, that's the big bad wolf that all the, all the grocery outlets are concerned about. Uh, so how long did you start prepping for that Winco coming in once you knew about it? It's a good question. Uh, there's a lot of things that grocery outlet does, but in my opinion, their reaction, it's it's reactionary rather than being proactive. Um, and so we wanted to be ahead of them on pricing, right? So grocery outlet has mm-hmm. window pricing, but typically uh, they don't adjust the window pricing until after the fact. Um, and so to me, that was, you know, reactive and I wanted to be proactive. I wanted people to walk through Winco on their grand opening week and say, oh, that's the same price as grocery outlet. I didn't want them to walk through and say, oh, they're, they're cheaper here than grocery outlet. Oh, grocery outlet's more expensive on this item as well. And so I wanted to kind of build the mindset ahead of the game and be, you know, months ahead of it. Yes, we took a hit in margin, uh, in, in the beginning, uh, but we did, you know, some strategic markups in other areas that were allowed us to kind of offset those, 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 those everyday markdowns to create those everyday low prices to, to battle with Winco. Uh, bottom line is it's very hard to compete with Winco. Uh, you're never going to win the penny game, but there's things that you can do. Like I said, about being proactive and, and getting ahead of pricing in, in the grand scheme of things, I think it helped. Um, we traveled to other Winco's cause we didn't have one in Bend. We traveled over to the Valley over in Eugene and took a look at pricing and, and kind of mimicked certain items. We knew that we walked with, with my store manager and said, Hey, I know that we have this item, this item, this item, X, Y, Z across the departments. And we took a look at pricing, came back and, and made adjustments. So, um, it, it's gotta be something that you have to have your eye on the ball and be able to look at it in advance or otherwise I think it, it would have done more damage. Um, it's hard to say exactly what we lost because 
Winco opened, Radus, everything opened back up. So people were able to go to bars again and go to restaurants. And, and, and so we saw a dip in numbers, but it was also a reduction in sales based upon the previous unrealistic COVID comps. Um, and so, you know, everything said and done between the year after COVID and, and Winco opening, we lost about 18% of our business. And so that's an area that you really mm. could not battle against. I mean, obviously they can take bigger cuts on, on bigger sections, but was there one section that you just couldn't come close to or. It, honestly, it's going to sound crazy, but it, it was beer. Um, beer was, they were super aggressive on their beer pricing and you looked at six pack pricing and they were 25 cents above cost on every six pack and every 12 pack in their building. And it wasn't like a promotional period. I was thinking it was going to last like 30 days, 60 days. It was an entire year they did this for. Um, they were they were just lost leaders across the board in beer, right? 25 cents is you're not making money selling beer at 25 cents above cost. And so I think they did it strategically in Bend because we're such a beer mecca um, on the West Coast. And they wanted to establish themselves as a go-to for beer. And it, it, it worked. Uh, there were certain areas that I didn't think that they were going to be able to compete. I mean, we focused on local products. I was thinking Winko's not going to come in and and create a large local section. I was wrong. They did. They walked our stores. They walked the other competitors in the area, and they realized that local was a thing in Bend, and they actually created a local section. Most Winkos you go into, the beer section's small. It's all it's all yellow beer. It's not a lot of domestic. It's not a lot of craft beer. And there's like a hundred foot section of of just craft beer up here in Bend, and so they really tailored it to the community, which, you know, power to them for, for adjusting their, their, their typical philosophy in order to accommodate the, the Ben shopper. Uh, they did a, they did a really you know good job with it. Um, and I think that it, it, you know, just fortunately for us, the, the building for them is in a really bad location. And I think if it had been a better location, it would have taken more from us. Um, it's just the bottom line. They're, they're very good retailers. They're very tough to 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 compete against, um, and, and we just have to focus on the areas that we know that we can beat them in daily. So you said you you lost about eighteen percent when all said and done. Was that eighteen percent versus your high water mark of COVID crazy COVID comps, or was that eighteen percent based on like two thousand nineteen? That was 18% versus COVID. So uh, it, it, all, all said and done, I think it could have been a lot worse, right? Because we don't yeah. know exactly what was COVID. We don't know exactly what was Winco. We know it was a blend. We know it was, you know, 18 to 19% roughly. I think it was 186 to be exact. Mm -hmm. um, so everything said and done, it wasn't horrible. You know, I hear horror stories of other grocery outlets that had 30%, oh, yeah. 40%, you know, versus Winco. And and again, we were fortunate because of their location is is less than ideal from a retail standpoint. Um, and from us, it's, you know, three miles across town. So we were fortunate in that regard. Nonetheless, you know, it still affected us and it, it definitely changed the way that we operate daily. So uh, at this point, what are, how long ago has been since that has opened up? A year plus? It's now been about a year and uh, one month. Um, okay. We lost another nine and a half percent with the road closures. Um, they closed down Wilson Avenue. So Bend, if you've been to Bend, it's Third Street, which is the main street. It used to be the highway. And then you have Wilson. Third Street runs south and north, and you have Wilson who runs east and west. They shut down Wilson for beautification and to you know, increase the, the width of the street for an entire year. And when I say shut down, it wasn't one-way traffic. It was, it was closed. Shut down. Yeah. It was closed. And so uh, it opened it up uh, in the quarter four of 2022. And we were, we were trending at that point, like negative 10, negative 11. Uh, and right when we opened, we were, we were positive 12, 13%. So it's like a 20 point swing plus, oh, wow. um, you know, the, they unfortunately just closed 15th street again, which is at the T of that road. It, it kind of connects the east to west and north and south on that side of town. So, uh, that one luckily will only be closed during this month of March. Um, and so they're hoping to have it back up. Uh, in, in April, but so far they've, they failed to make any of their deadlines. They're usually about 30 days past all their deadlines on the previous project. So I'm expecting it to be middle to end of April that it's going to open back up again. It's always something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's retail. <laughs> you know, we talk so, so much about different numbers and tracking different things and, and how we do our bonus structure, man, this last few years, I feel like there has been so many things to muddy up the water. It's so hard to really tell 
how well you're doing or what you're struggling with or opportunities because there's so many things. I feel like there's like triple asterisks on everything we do. Like, well, there's this, but there's this, that, the other thing. Um, and you're, you're sure. I know we talked several times about how frustrating it was to have all these things that it's really hard to kind of just do a lot of our normal uh, tracking and, and hold people accountable or give them credit for what they're doing well, because there's so many just things making it look uh, all over the board. So uh, I know you've gone through uh, a lot of things. Luckily, you know, you, you love your store. You love uh, where you are. You know, that's your forever store. That makes it definitely a lot easier for sure. Um, and for those who uh, have not been to the uh, Ben Gross Rallet, uh, a little unique. He's done a lot of things to kind of promote other things uh, that are a little different than standard Gross Rallet. I mean, has done a lot with special signage and focused heavily on Nosh. I remember when we walked into your store, it was the first store that I felt like didn't really look like the typical Gross Rallet because you had just uh, invested a, a good chunk of money in your special kind of handwritten signage over in produce and, and had a bunch of things that made it look just... Uh, uh, a little nicer than the average, I would say. Uh, and then your standards uh, were great. Um, we walked in, we took uh, several pictures and a video uh, specifically of your whole froze department. I have a whole walk around video. Uh, I think a couple of your employees probably reported me trying to figure out what I was doing, <laughs> but I, I walked through the whole produce or the whole frozen and it was just, it was perfect. It was signed well, um, did a really good job just on standards. Um, that being said, Besides pricing, what else did you do during this time that kind of helped uh, set you apart from Winco? Like, did you do any extra mailers or any other discounts? Or yeah, we target marketed. Um, we use the USPS mailing program. Uh, I, I I have mixed feelings about it. It's expensive. Um, it's definitely um, needed to do during a situation like Winco, but I wouldn't suggest doing it on a regular basis. Uh, we had about roughly a 3% redemption rate, which is not fantastic, not horrible. Um, but we did target market, you know, the direct customers near Winco. So the Northeast side of Bend. Um, and I, I kind of went toe to toe with them in the beginning, trying to, to counter market with them. Um, they had a very large marketing campaign. Um, they did mailers across the entire, uh, town and not even just in Bend. They did it in South South Redmond. They did it in Tumalo. Um, so I can only imagine the amount of money they spent in USPS mailers because I, I targeted like 5,000 homes and it was like three grand. Um, you know, there's, there's a hundred thousand homes in Bend. And so um, the amount of money they spent on this campaign uh, was just, just knowing from experience had to have just been astronomical. And so uh, that was one way that we did it. Um, we continuously just try to beat them in areas that they couldn't compete us in, right? We're doing wine tastings weekly. So even through COVID, we would we would do wine tastings and have the masks and you had to throw away the cups. And there was a whole like spiel of things we had to do from the OLCC in order to keep wine tasting going during these times. Um, I had a you know email from the OLCC ex detailed detailed about exactly what we could do, how many feet apart people had to be. They had to, you know, put their mask on in between, in between sips. It wasn't ideal from a wine tasting perspective, but we were still able to promote wine tastings through COVID. Um, we're now back to weekly wine tastings here at the store. We do them every, every single Friday. We do five wines at four o'clock. Um, that was something that Winco is not able to compete with. Um, we just tailored the department to the wine department to, you know, uh, wine notes and, and being very, you know, when you say, I think of the word nosh, right? We're looking also at the wine department saying, how can we be unique here, right? We want wine tasting notes on all of our favorites. We had a wine steward at the time named Thomas and he was wonderful and he would go through and, and do, you know, Thomas's likes and he would create, you know, Oregon signs for all the local Oregon products. And so we just try to look at ways that we can separate ourselves across the store and be unique. Local products was another one, right? We could continue to add local products wherever we could, whether it be frozen, it could be grocery, it could be deli. Uh, we continue to try to bring in more local products. We even tested out uh, local produce, um, which was a nightmare, quite frankly, because of pricing. Um, when you, when we look at pricing, it was changing daily. It wasn't changing weekly. Like we see on normal price change. So like every time you go to order, it'd be a different price. And so it just created a lot of unnecessary systems for us. And so that was short lived and we phased that out, but it, it was, it was kind of fun to do during, during the time is, Hey, we got local produce, you know, Winko doesn't have local produce. And so, um, we were trying to promote that as much as we could. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm about to wade into the uh, local produce uh, thing here. So wish me luck. 
on that one. It's Hopefully a beast. It'll be a little bit different experience. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and uh, Dylan is fortunate enough not to have a Winco anywhere near him yet. But, uh, <laughs> but we have one here in McMinnville, and it's right up the street from our store. I think the benefit of ours, though, is that our store has been here forever. That Winco has been here forever. Um, versus, you know, I think the the general uh, sentiment is is it's always tougher when a Winco comes in versus when it's already there versus when the grocery outlet goes in next to the Winco. Um, but I I feel like our our biggest success with having a Winco up the street and being able to continue growth and I wonder if you guys have seen this as all as well is through our local uh, being involved in the community. Uh, yeah, doing different community-based based things. Um, you know, when it comes to marketing and advertising, I don't I don't do virtually any discounts or markdowns or mailers or that kind of stuff. We put our pretty much our entire marketing budget into community uh, events and efforts and you know that type of thing and. Uh, I'm fine. I'm wondering, have you done much of that? You know, what's your experience with that? Thoughts? Yeah, as much local marketing as you possibly can, right? Winko's not going to go out and support a, a little league team. Winko's not going to go out and do a shop for schools night. And these are things that we had had done. Uh, again, it was just challenging with the timing because uh, we had COVID kind of in full force, right? It was this was it was just starting to open up again, and and so I think that. Um, we weren't able to do shop for schools night. We were worried about crowds. We were worried about people coming in and, and bagging at the registers next to someone who's who's concerned about their health. And so um, there was a lot of things that we would have done and that we had planned for in our business plan that we just weren't able to do because of the COVID restrictions. Um, and so, you know, it's just an unfortunate circumstance. But um, if we were, you know, today, 2023, yes, I would have loved to have done a shop for schools night once a quarter. I would have loved to have have done a lot more of the local stuff inside the store and, and driven more of that traffic. But it was, it was just a, it was a tough time, right? It, we were unprecedented times with COVID. We were in times where people were complaining about people wearing masks or not wearing masks or standing too close to them or, or you name it. Everyone had the complaints that all day. I mean, we had capacity complaints, even though we weren't even at 25 or 30% capacity at times. And so it, it was something that you had to be mindful of, um, and and it was you know unfortunate that we had to adjust our marketing plans. Yeah, and we are in an area that's uh, quite a bit different than you two. Um, you know, whereas you guys were uh, had to be extremely strict with all COVID regulations, and everything else. Uh, our store was complete opposite. I, um, you know, it, it was very much a struggle six months in to really get people to wear masks to do whatever, you know, when we heard about all the fights happening, the recording of people not wearing masks, just all the nightmares, uh, we were on this separate island where people were just very, uh, I'll go with resistant and just kind of didn't really believe in as much. And, and so we got out of COVID a lot sooner uh, as far as all the regulations. You know, we still had all of our employees follow everything. We still did things differently. But from an employee, from a customer standpoint, uh, we could not hold them as accountable just because uh, nowhere else in town did. You know, we, we tried to make sure we followed guidelines, but also we tried to kind of follow what other stores were doing. And, you know, a year into this where uh, people were just tired of it, uh, we weren't going to cause any kind of fights between employees and customers, and it just wasn't worth it at this point. And so we were a little different. Um, and then when it comes to marketing, again, Mike and I are completely opposite on this. So he, you know, doesn't do any of the mailers. He does other stuff. We, uh, as much as I hate to send out mailers, we've done quite a few of them because we have seen really good traction with them. We had uh, our first mailer we sent uh, sent out, uh, we had about a 6% redemption, which for a mail out is, is pretty great. Um, and we saw residual for the next you know few months. Um, we don't do them all the time, but we've done a handful of them. And I feel like it got uh, into some areas that we were we were missing. You know, uh, I'm sure every store talks about this. It's it's amazing how long you can be open, and then you get people still to this day who are like, "I didn't know where you were. I've never been in your store. This is the first time." Um, and then when people come into our stores, you know, one thing that we have going for us that you know Winco can't and most stores can is that we are very personable and having a small footprint 
feels like the old time small store where people know your name. You feel like you can get in and out quickly. Whereas now that these stores are getting much larger and, and, you know, parking lots are getting busier and busier. It takes a lot longer to get in for, you know, a couple things. Whereas we can be that quick stop, but also that stop where people don't feel like they have to fight crowds. And after COVID, I heard that, probably more than anything else they love the fact that they didn't have to have you know 50 people per aisle you know we're still busy but not to the to the masses like some of those other facilities so you know that's uh i've been wanting for a while to do a you know facebook ad or something like that uh it says Hello, Winco shoppers. Are you tired of walking eight miles every time you go grocery shopping come on down to the grocery <laughs> Uh, oh, you're a brave man. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I try and uh, I should probably try and avoid the eye of Sauron. Yeah, for sure. Actually, um, no, I think I think you should do that. I think you should do that tomorrow. Uh, if you oh, want, okay, I can yeah. help design some up for you. Nipping on like. my heels, yes. Um, when we were in Wairika, this is a funny story. It kind of reminds me of that. Wairika had our store that wasn't open yet. It had Rayleigh's and it had Walmart. That was it. Like you list off retailers in the bill and Rite Aid. Like, so those are because they're Rite Aid's everywhere, right? So they had those four stores in town. So if we needed to get like hiring supplies, we had to go get stuff to make posters. We had to go to Walmart, right? And so, or we could drive an hour to Medford and go somewhere else, you know, Target or whatever it may be, but we weren't going to do that. So we went down to Walmart and typical Walmart, there's lines, right? 20 people deep. And I just started handing out coupons in line. You won't have to wait in line at our store. I get to That's awesome, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and so I think I went like five people ahead of me, five people behind me, and handed out 10 coupons and said, when we open, you won't have to wait in line. And that, you know was, hilarious. that was by our biggest sell. You know what's <laughs> hilarious about that kind of thing, by the way? And it's just total human nature is that I hear that from you and I'm like, oh, that's genius. That's great. <laughs> but if somebody came into my store and was doing that, I'm like, who do they think they are? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's one of those things. It's like yeah, it's probably questionable, right? From a from a guerrilla marketing stat standpoint, um, it's it's definitely aggressive. But I was so frustrated waiting in line. It was like sure. you know, twenty minutes. Here we are in line. It's like oh man, I can I can handle a lot of coupons. <laughs> so when you were talking about the Winco thing, you know, you're talking about uh, getting your pricing uh, correct before they came in to kind of condition people, but you also. Uh, mentioned strategic markups as kind of the flip side of that. So it sounds like it wasn't all just loss of margin and reduction, reduction, reduction. Tell me about that. Yeah. So shortly after Winco opened and we realized that we were going to be losing, you know, roughly 20% of our business, um, we, we knew that we needed to be smart about how we were going to be profitable. Um, we didn't want to mark up key items in the store that we knew Winco carried. Um, and so we wanted to, to, to take a look at some strategic markups throughout the store in order to compensate for margin. Um, we had some of our best margin periods during, during that year. I think we netted a 33, one of those, one of those cycles, because, um, we just took a really hard look at strategic markups. Um, you know, a couple of things we did is we looked at in, in Oregon, we're blessed with beer and wine and, and we were able to take a look at, uh, the wine department and say, okay, wine comes in at three ninety nine, and elsewhere price is 14 99. Um, let's make this bottle $5.99. And so we're making $2 a bottle, $24 a case, do the math. It adds up quickly. Uh, and we weren't doing this with every wine. We were doing this with wines. The, the rule was it has to still be a minimum of 50% off. So even after the markup, um, so we're still sh creating a wow. We're not, we're not now altering our wow number as well. Um, it can still become a score at that price too, because if we still sell a ton of it, um, we're still 50% off. And now depending upon the numbers, it could still potentially become a score as well. Um, so we were still within guidelines of the company initiatives, um, but we were also making extra money. And so we would do this and we would kind of gamble. We would say, Hey, let's order a pallet, right? 56 cases, $2 a bottle, 12, to, you know, 12, 12 in a, in a case, do the math. It's a lot of money. And so we would do this a couple times a week. And, and we are, you know, fortunate enough to where we were doing 14% of our business is beer and wine. Um, so we were able to move through this product relatively quickly, um, even at a, a marked up price. Um, so beer and wine helped kind of carry uh, the store in margin. Um, we also looked at areas that we knew Winco couldn't beat us. So it was, it was nosh, it was organic, right? And we were able to go through um, the grocery order guide with the new item that's coming in and say, hey, this is an organic item that's coming in. Um, 
let's go ahead and take a look at it. Okay, we can mark it up a dollar or two dollars, and it's still uh, over fifty percent savings. It's, it still could become a score, still could become a wow. Um, let's go ahead and put this on the power wall. Winko doesn't carry this item. We can go big with it. Let's order two pallets, and um, we would be very strategic about markups and placement, and 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 make sure that we were. Um, capturing that margin because you know if you, if you do the wrong item um, you know it didn't didn't really gain anything you lost money possibly and so we wanted to make sure that it was you know recorded but also reviewed constantly um and that we were uh managing it and we were uh continuously following up on it um throughout the weeks and months and quarters as well um lastly uh and this was just simple this is something everybody can do regardless of volume or or or, or your creation of your departments is we looked at every order and we say, hey, before we submit it, Blake, myself, so Blake's my store manager. So Blake, myself, or even my grocery manager would have to review the order and we would add a quarter percent to every single order before we submit it. So we wouldn't take anything off. We wouldn't, we wouldn't add anything extra outside of quantities. So let's just say that you guys submitted your orders and you had six quantity and it was a 24 margin. I might reduce it to four. And then you had a, 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 a six quantity of another item and it was a 42 margin. I would maybe adjust that to eight or 10. And so I'm just tweaking their orders. They're still getting everything they ordered. And you do that a few times in every single order and you submit it and it's a quarter percent higher every single time. That quarter percent adds up throughout the inventory cycle and really helps the bottom line. Gotcha. Yeah, I have a, I have a same, the, the same kind of outlook on markups as far as I, because I love creating spreadsheets. Uh, we have a, we have a spreadsheet where basically we copy and paste uh, the transfer into it and it organizes the items by savings to the customer. And so the rule is you can't mark up anything that is lower than a 50% savings to the customer anyways so i'm 100 with you on that with the uh the markups so i always i always it's a struggle sometimes to explain to the employees like just because the mark an item is low margin doesn't mean we're going to mark that item up and just because it's high margin doesn't mean we're not going to mark it up like we're going to do it based off of what the customer is saving not on the you know how much margin the the item has in and of itself yeah there's times where an item could come in and it's you know 40 40 plus margin. And next thing you know, we just made a 60 margin and we're selling, you know, hell out of it. Um, so I totally agree with that. You know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta know your customer and you have to know what's going to work and what's not going to work in your stores and, and be able to take calculated risks. You know, I, I was saying, I always tell my crew, you know, you got to risk it for the biscuit. And sometimes we have to swing big for the fences in order to make a little extra money. Mike, are you still using that form on every order? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 let me say <laughs> they should be using that form on every okay. order <laughs> you know how it is every now and again you check in and you're like, hey have I, uh, you been using the uh, markup spreadsheet yeah. oh yeah 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 that's right let me let me do that again okay yeah we Thanks. we use that form for a while i, I feel like it's very much a teeter-totter for us we use it for a while then we stop and then i mean lately <laughs> lately really last six months or so i mean i i don't feel like there have been near as many uh good deals to be able to do that unnoticeable there's been so many just you know it's either a good item or it's or it's good margin usually you don't get you know both of them in one and so they haven't been as much and then we've been focusing more just on trying to drive more sales and and there's been so many items i'm like you know i just i got to go big and i could mark it up but i just don't think it's worth it whereas before i felt like we almost had to tell our people, hey, slow down. Now, you, now you're doing too many. You know, it, it's good to do a few, but last thing you want to do is go through and do 50 items. Uh, you know, and don't waste your time for those small little tints here and there. Just do a few good ones and then call it. Uh, but definitely, uh, the the days of 33% margin, uh, I haven't seen them for a little while now. Um, a little different uh, ball game than it used to be as well. Yeah, I, I think Dylan, you bring you bring home an excellent point. Uh, you know, these markups have to be done right. Right, you can't go and mark up a can good item from sixty nine cents to eighty nine cents. Right, it has to be impactful. Um, one of the things that I look at when we are doing this is I utilize two different reports. So the SD report, the also key indicator report that comes down after final post, but you can pull that at any point of the week on SD. And you take a look at the bottom number at the very bottom. It shows you the company markup number and the company dollar amounts. Right. I always try to have a better ratio. So when I when I say a better ratio, I think the company average is typically like around 
uh, it's typically like around a hundred items ish. And it's usually like around 600 to $800. Right. And then I try to say, Hey, I'm going to be at 300 ish and I'm going to be at 4,000 plus dollars. Right. I want to be at four to six X the company dollar amounts. And I only want to be at three X the company skews. And so that way, you can you can you can physically defend your strategic markups if grocery outlet ever inquires about them because it does happen they do inquire <laughs> i've seen it i was going to ask if you <laughs> have you had to physically defend oh yeah and it's not not just one time right and I, I had to do it a couple times especially when you're negative comping that was the only time it was really ever brought up we were negative comping through the winko and we had you know 300 plus markups and so um i had to physically defend them and say hey uh we are only 3x the company number we're 6x the dollar amounts we're doing them the right areas um i will still reduce the quantity you know i'm not going to remove them all completely but i will reduce the quantity essentially to get off the 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 hot seat right and um you just go through and you clean up your report the the unfortunate piece is that is just you know it's the retail report it's ups and downs it also it also includes dsd and so there's a bunch of things on there that count against you even though they shouldn't in my opinion and that was the other argument is hey i can list 60 items on here that are out of my control that are your guys's because it's the home office um, I don't, I don't want to go down that road right now, but <laughs> um, I, I definitely say though, that if you do it strategic and you have a plan and you can, and you can discuss your plan and also, you know, portray it in the right manner, um, they, they leave you alone in this regard. Um, but I, I think it's very important what Dylan mentioned about creating and doing it on the right items. You can't just go through and do all of everything. It has to be very strategic and it has to be purposeful. It's funny, you mentioned uh, about basically like the phone call or having to explain. We've had one of those where they just kind of uh, said, hey, you know, you look like you have this many. And ours was basically DSD soda was one of ours. It was during that time. I mean, it's still that time where like we just kept going up 10 cents, down 10 cents, up 10 cents. I'm like, this is I'm spending more labor than it's worth it. Plus, you're making it very obvious to the customer as well. They come in, they're like, you change your prices all the time. And, and you were not, you know, it wasn't continuing to go up. It just kept going up, down, up, down. And so, so many of them we left. And at one time, I think I probably had 40 of just soda prices alone that were all within 10 cents. You know, we just kind of made the adjustment uh, on markup because I'm like, I'm not going to keep on doing this. Or if it was one that went down, maybe we just waited one week because it was going to go right back. Um, but yeah, almost 25% of mine were based on those alone. Um, it was so like ice was the same thing. Like ice was every yeah. week. It was like 10 cents. Right, right. right. It's also, you look at things and I streamline pricing, right? I don't like mm -hmm. Coke's one price, Pepsi's another price, and 7-Up's another price. I just streamline them, right? And so I would just mark up all the Pepsi, mark up all the 7-Up and have one price across the board. Um, did the same for years in, in the soup category before they, they finally started streamlining pricing themselves from home office. But it used to be 99 cents was one can, dollar 19 was another can, 109 mm -hmm. was here, 129 was here. And it was like four or five different price points all within like 30 cents. And it used to drive me mad, right? I, so I used to go through and just streamline all the pricing. And so that's when you have to really analyze your number and say, hey, um, is it worth it right now? I have 15, 20 SKUs on here uh, and I'm only getting, you know, maybe hundred bucks a week out of these SKUs. Is it worth doing or do I remove them on my report, right? So if you have 300 plus items like I do now, it, it may not be worth your while to have those extra 30 items on there and, and be necessarily flagged for a high quantity when you can remove them and still have the, the you know, 6x the dollar amounts in the company and be able to you know continue to make money on a, a profitability standpoint so the other piece that we do i think is important worth mentioning as well is we incentivize our employees for margin right and so it's not just me looking at it the bonus structure is designed one 40 percent of their bonus is designed with sales 40 percent of their bonus is now also margin and then the other 20 percent is price integrity so the price integrity helps because just we all tired of not seeing tags and it's also we look at the you know cool compliance and we look at um all the other measurements on the on the tag that are accurate and reported properly um that's 20%. The margin piece is the is the important factor with the sales, the 40 and 40%. Because we want them to be sales focused still, first and foremost, but we also want them to be very margin conscious, right? And so they all have margin goals to, on their department. And I take a look at the company averages for the X, the last, the last X amount of months. And then I always increase those because I tell them we're not average, we're above sure. average. 
and we want to make sure that we have you know high benchmarks in order to achieve those for the store. Um, if they make more money, I make more money. I call it the trickle up effect, right? Because mm -hmm. if they're more profitable, I'm more profitable. If you make more money, I make more money, and we share that bonus with them every single every single overage. So. Roughly 25% of our bonus is allocated towards our employees. 25% is allocated to Uncle Sam. 25% is allocated to the store. And 25% is allocated to us, the owners. Gotcha. I wish you had one more 25% in that when you were explaining <laughs> it, just, just for funsies. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so with the bottom yeah, line. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I feel like Grocery Outlet has kind of changed their, their attitude on markups a fair bit. Maybe not attitude is the right word, but outlook on it. Um, I don't. I don't think that there's really a, a number anymore because it used to be what a hundred items. It, it used to be a hundred items was was a hard number, and then they removed mm -hmm. that out of the BPPM and 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 the operator agreement about two and a half years ago. Um, and at that point, it was like floodgate, right? And then right. you can see the <laughs> operators kind of went crazy Ooh. with it. I remember seeing stores in the 500 range because uh, I would be at like 450, 470. I'd be like number nine. I'm like, holy cow, who's at number one? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, what are they I doing did hit number St. John's. I did hit Jeez. number one once. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I did hit number it's one ironic. once. Not not a call you want to get, and not not something you want to be number one on in the company. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I remember I remember that call like it was yesterday, and I'm not going to say who called me, but it was, hey Billy, uh, looking at the high end retail report, uh, you're number one in the company. Uh, not something you want to be number one on, and. Uh, <laughs> So You're like on what making money? Sure. Yeah. So hey, Billy, Billy, it's just us. You can you can say the name. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now it's just three grocers and a mic, right? It's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three discount grocers and a microphone. Right? Uh, and so we yeah. adjust that number. Okay. I think we scaled off two hundred that week. Okay, we wow. went from like okay. five hundred to three hundred, and that's been the happy medium. Is that three hundred number for us? You know what I wish Groshout would do. This is a call out to anybody. If somebody from IT ever listens to this, but. I wish on the store insights, they would separate out markups from markdowns um, just as a, as a metric to be able to, you know, cause right now when you're looking at it, you're looking at your markdowns and obviously every markup you do makes your markdown look better, but you're not really getting a true sense of what your actual markdowns are versus how much of that is. And also for the region, when you're trying to compare yourself to the region, you're saying, how are our markdowns versus theirs? But you're really saying is how are our markdowns minus our markups versus mm -hmm. theirs? And who knows how much they're doing versus you and all that kind of stuff. So neither here nor there, but just a, a wish, a wish into the ether. <laughs> well, Mike, you have a good insight to IT. You have someone you could call who could probably make that report. We could talk after this call. You made a good connection. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, we'll tell you later. Okay, moving on. Anyways, <laughs> well, uh, awesome. I think uh, we're kind of hitting the hitting our time here. So, uh, Billy, I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, you know, I uh, you're one of my you're one of the people that I do enjoy uh, talking to, bouncing off ideas. Because if nothing else, you're always you're always into something new. You're always kind of doing something different or, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So I'm, I'm glad there's people like you out there that, uh, that I can, that I can look at and go, okay, I got to do something now too. That's, that's Mike's way of saying that Billy gets in trouble a lot and, uh, <laughs> and does a lot of things out of the box. Well, now do I have to say something nice about Billy? No, no, I'd no say, we're good. I'd say one thing I like about calling you is it's very real every time, you know, it, it's very, candid and we can just kind of call call what it is out and and uh I, you know don't have to fear like it goes elsewhere it could be either uh asking for ideas or asking how you do something or it could just be like you know what this is really stupid right now and we can talk about it and then i get off the phone and i'm like all right i feel better now so it, it's it's nice to have those those contacts it's not like we do that all the time but it's nice to have those occasional just you know i need to vent and have someone who probably has experienced the same exact thing who has the same view and then come up with a solution and go from there yeah, building a network of operators that you can trust and that you can bounce ideas off mm -hmm. and frustrations off is, I think, one of the the key aspects of being successful inside this this business model. Um, it, it's it's needed one as a as a um, as a place not to be stagnant and to to always push yourself to be more creative and to look outside the you know the normal fold and mold and and to uh, push your team and and to grow sales and then too you know when we do reach those times that we get 
frustrated and 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 we want to vent. It's nice to be able to call somebody um, who also shares those same frustrations and to be able to um, express them uh, candidly and, and and open and honestly. Right. So I, I appreciate both of you. Uh, you're both, uh, you know, those for me as well. And so I uh, appreciate you having me on and, and look forward to hearing the podcast once it's live. All right, my friend. Well, uh, once again, it's been great talking to you and we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Have a good one. Okay, I want to say thank you again to Billy for joining us on our second podcast. Um, after much discussion for our next podcast, we're going to invite Charles and Raj from Vallejo uh, to kind of get a California store in the mix because we know uh, California is a whole nother beast that uh, I luckily have never had the luxury of of being part of. I, I hear it's uh, quite a bit different with regulations and PGE stuff and just uh, so many things. Um, so they will be on our next call. Uh, hopefully next week, and uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Absolutely, I look forward. To, I look forward to talking with them and uh, and many other people here coming up. We've got we've got uh, a few a few different people lined up here, so it looks like we're gonna have a nice little run. But it's always a pleasure talking to you, Dylan. Well, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, you as well, sir. You as well. All right. Well, <laughs> until next week, uh, I'm sure we will talk a dozen more times until then. And uh, yeah, be good. You as well. <laughs>